Welcome to New Hope and the teaching ministry of Pastor Randy Rainwater. You are loved more deeply. You are called more profoundly. You are purposed more directly. You are redeemed more fully. And you are promised more concretely than you have ever dreamed in your life. That, says Pastor Randy, is the story of Revelation. It's also where we're beginning our brand new sermon series, Beloved. Go with us now to Revelation chapter 1. But before Pastor Randy comes, today's scripture reading from his youngest daughter, Sarah Rainwater Burnett. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him, who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and ruler of kings on earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I'm going to read that verse one more yeah, time. Read that to again. him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Well, Revelation chapter one, church, I'm going to just tell you, I'm so excited about preaching Revelation. Revelation is this story that I think a lot of times gets really confusing in our minds. When, when, when you think of Revelation, I just want you to think about what's the image that you have in your head. Is it is it like the apocalypse? Is it like, is it like the horsemen? You know, is it like the four horsemen? And I'm not talking about the four horsemen of Notre Dame. I'm talking about like the horsemen of the apocalypse. Is it, is it, about, is it about nuclear war? I, I, have a, um, I have a number of military guys that, that I talk with and pray with on a routine basis online. Um, you know, like... Google the list of countries that have nuclear weapons. Not right now, you would crash our internet. Um, but, but like, just Google that sometime. And if that doesn't cause you to want to get some things figured out in your life, it will. We, we live in a day. I mean, we've gone through this, this pandemic, which, which has been serious. It's a real thing. And we're, we're looking here at this season of life in which there's some really, really scary things about life. Amen? There, there's, some, there's some scary things out there. When, when you think about, about these end times, what, what is the image that you get? Is it, is it disease? Is it famine? What is that image? Maybe it's about the trumpets and the bowls. Maybe it's about this warning that God's giving we, we were in Kentucky last week. We went up for one of my nephews got married. My grandnephew got married, and it was an outside wedding. It was 47 degrees. 
and we like we like we have in Georgia we put our winter clothes away like in April, right? And and I mean we were freezing. So so we're we're doing this we're we're out there for this wedding. Well, on the way to the farm, uh, it's there's there's these one lane roads. Now I don't exactly know how the physics of this works, but it works in Kentucky. I don't know that it works anywhere else. Any of you guys ever grow up like in places where you had the one lane road? You remember driving down the one lane road? Okay, the it's like a 12-foot road, and you have two eight-foot cars, but if you like swerve at the right time, the momentum pulls the shocks over, and, and the car leans, and you can get two cars through at the same time. I don't know how it works. You have to breathe in a little bit as it's happening, but it, but it works. I don't know how it works. I don't know that it works anywhere else but in the country, but it does work, and, and, but, but, but you're, you're driving... Yeah, sometimes it doesn't work. So, so, but, but as you're driving over a hill, what do you do? No, you don't step on the gas. All right. Okay, someone who grew up in the country, one-lane road. You're going over a hill on a one-lane road. What do you do? Blow the horn. Thank you, Meredith. All right, yes, you blow the horn. So, so I, would, I had driven out to the farm the first two times. Well, the, the third time, Daniel's driving. And we go over, and Daniel blew the horn. We go over a hill, and there's a car there, like right there. And everyone like screams in our car. And you can see the, the, the young lady was driving, and she obviously was like from Jersey or something, okay? She's like in the middle of the road. And, and her eyes were like this big. I mean, it's amazing how your senses like get so captivated when you're in that moment. And her eyes got like this big. And Anita instantly, okay, we're not, we're still in the midst of the peril here. And Anita goes, Daniel, you didn't blow the horn loud enough. <laughs> and Daniel, and again, this is all still happening. We're still like swerving and breathing in and everything. And Daniel goes, Mom, there's no volume button on the horn. <laughs> Revelation's like a like a volume button on a horn, though. When as you're looking through it, there's there's like seals and bowls and it's like it's God saying like hey this is a big deal hey did you hear me the first time well okay we'll do this again okay we'll do this again it's it's this it's this warning to us but but that's not really what it's all about that that's there there's a warning there but it's really not all about that. It's, it's the, the context of, of the voice. How do, you tell, how do you tell a story? What's the voice of the story that you're in? When you, if, you're, if you've ever done acting, what's the nature of the character that you are? What's their ethos, their, their mood, their, their context? You can tell a lot about a story by reading the ending of the story. Matthew 28, 20, uh, that's the, the great command the Great Commission. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. It's promising. It's hopeful. Revelation 22, 20. He who testifies to these things, surely I'm coming soon. But then it says this, amen. Good. It's not bad. It's not scary. Come, Lord Jesus. Then the grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. Truly good. This is, good. This is a good thing. And they needed that context. This is written, it's 95 AD, John, the last apostle by a long shot, is exiled on the island of Patmos. 
Everybody else is dead. Not one of them gave up the truth. Not one of them changed the story. I have goosebumps right now. Not, not one of them changed the story. They stayed with the story because they had seen it. They had seen a risen Savior. And when you read the New Testament, all of these letters in the New Testament are written in the context of, we saw Jesus. Look, look, yeah, kill us. We're not going to change because you killed us because we saw that which was dead come back to life again. Amen, church? That changed everything about the context for them. And, but John's writing under this context of, to these churches here in, in Turkey, these seven churches, under the context of the fact that there is incredible persecution taking place. Nero is dead. Domitian is now the emperor. And Domitian made Nero look like a schoolboy. The persecution was, in, was so intense. He would, he would there's, there's kids in the room, so I, I, I'm, I need to be a little careful here, but the persecution was unimaginable. It wasn't, it wasn't just about political power. It was about personal enjoyment. Domitian made, think Hitler on steroids. That's Domitian. John has been exiled because he's been preaching the word, and here he is in this context, and he says this, the revelation, that word revelation, underline that word. Do this in your Bible where it says the revelation of John. You can put an S at the end and put a line through it. It's not revelations. Revelations. We're studying revelations. No, we're not. We're studying revelation. It's one, it's one thing. It's one, it's one story throughout. One story, the revelation of Jesus Christ. That word revelation, the, the Greek is apocalypsis or apocalypsis. And, and that, that doesn't mean horrible things. It means to see something in the context of. I, I don't know about you guys, but when we go on vacation, my daughter Elizabeth's here, she knows this. Before we go on vacation, we clean, right? The house, we clean the house because when we get home, Anita doesn't want to walk into a dirty house. Okay, okay, I got a few, okay, I got a few house, okay. All right, men, listen, all right? So, so we, we, we wanna walk into this clean house, so we work, and we work really hard, and we clean, but it's okay, isn't it? Because we're going on vacation. There's a wedding coming up, and you're, you're working so hard on the wedding, and, and, and you're, you're getting the flowers, and you're getting the right goblets, and, and, and you're dealing with the caterer, and all this stuff, but it's okay, Right? because there's a wedding coming. It's going to be a beautiful, beautiful thing. It's, it's to see something. Apocalypsis doesn't mean be really freaked out nuclear war. That's not what it means. It means see this story in the context of a bigger story. It's a hopeful word. Romans 16, 25. Now to, to him who's able to strengthen you, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation, the unveiling, the, the apocalypsis of the mystery. See, that's a, it's a happy verse. It's a positive verse. Ephesians 1.17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation, of understanding, of, of, of seeing this in the knowledge of him. Wisdom in the knowledge of him. 1 Peter 1.7, 1 Peter is all about persecution, testing of your faith, but it says, so that the tested genuous of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it's tested by fire, ooh, that's bad, might be found to result in praise and glory and honor 
Oh, we just changed the context, the tone here, at the revelation of Jesus. This isn't, this isn't primarily a book that's meant to cause fear. It's actually the opposite. It says that it's soon. It, this, this word soon is, is not in, in, um, in verse number one that must soon take place. You might want to underline that. That word soon isn't so much about time as it's about expectancy. It's a season. When is Christmas? It, it's December 25th from midnight to midnight. But is that, when we say, it, it, I'll see you at Christmas, is that what we mean? Come over at like 12.01 a.m. after Christmas Eve. Knock on the door, you know, come on. No, no, that's not where we're, Christmas, like kind of, to me, Christmas starts as soon as I've woken up from the last piece of pecan pie uh, on Thanksgiving night, and, and it goes out until like New Year's Eve. That's Christmas to me. It's, it's, I mean, we, our big church time is, is not on Christmas Day, We're, unless it's on a Sunday. I mean, we, we celebrate that the day before. It's a season. And then it says this, verse three, it says, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what's written in it, for the time is near. Blessed, the time is near. This isn't about freaking you out. It isn't about scaring you. Blessed. That word blessed, we always try to, we always in the church, uh, when we preach this word, we, we always try to say, well, this is, a, this is not really happy. No, it's happy. It means you should have, you should have happiness and joy. This is a good thing. This is a really good thing. You, you, you should see this and go, yeah. Like the, your tone, maybe not that, but, but, but the tone of your life should be positive when you see this. This is, this is what he's saying, blessed, happy, know that it's good when you read this, when, when you hear it, when you keep what's written, the time's near, the, the season's here, it, it, it's coming. And then it, the number, point number two, on earth as it is in seven, it's not a typo. John to the seven churches that are in Asia, Grace to you, peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne. This is what's going on. That number seven is a fullness. There were seven districts. These, these churches that are in Turkey, these, these seven churches, it, it represents a fullness. They were strategically placed. It, it's about more than just these seven churches. That, that number seven, the reason he, there were other churches but he chose seven to say this. This is to all the churches. This is a circular letter. It's going to all of these churches. They're all reading what's being written to each other. But, but it's saying this. This is to us here now as well. It's, it's Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God made what? The heavens and the earth. This is about the heavens and the earth. This is on earth as it is in heaven, because look at what's happening, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne. Listen, there are things, as we read about the end times, the time that, that is soon to take place, there's things going on in heaven, and there's things going on here at the exact same time as we understand time. What are some of those things? Look at this. Before we get to that, we gotta get our signature line. We gotta know who it is that's writing us. And from Jesus Christ, verse five, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings 
on earth. Now, he's already started his signature line, who was and is and is to come. If, but this signature line, it's going to get expanded as we go through Revelation. When I say signature line, it's like, what do you, I don't know if any of you guys have a signature line. I have a signature line. If you've ever gotten an email from me, you know I have a signature line. Here's my signature line. Randy Rainwater, Grace New Hope Pastor, Grace Family Pastor of Students, and one who treasures Anita, my true companion, my children, my granddaughter, a heritage of faith, old guitars, new songs, our retriever hitting the water, the sounds of a horse barn. I didn't write the smell. I wrote the sounds of a horse barn. UK basketball, a late night run, a morning bike ride, strong coffee, a room of teenagers, a conversation about eternity, the New Hope family, empowering a generation, the love and grace of my Savior, the promise of a new day, and did I already mention my granddaughter? Those are things that really matter a lot to me. That's it. I want you to know me by those things. Not just my name, not just the name my parents gave me. And, and I was listening, there's a country song, and it's like there's famous friends, and, and the preacher is Randy in that song. Yeah, that was me. No, I don't know. All right, I'm just, so, but, but it's pretty, there's not a lot of Randys in the world. But, but uh, it, this is about kind of what matters to me. Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. If you want to know what God is, you look at Jesus. He's the most faithful witness of who God is. That he, he is God, and he is with God. He is, he is, the, he is, he is God, and he is, and he is hearing from the Father. He's, he senses what the Holy Spirit's going to do. He's the faithful witness. The most faithful witness about you is you, the second most faithful witness, the one who would know the most about you, is your family. Listen, you can act any way you want for an hour here and get away with it, but ask your mom and dad or your husband or your wife or your parents, and they know, right? They, they know what you're really like. Like, you can't fake it all week long. He, he's the faithful witness. He's the firstborn. He's, he's preeminent, not precedence here. Firstborn doesn't mean the firstborn of the dead doesn't mean he's the first one to come back from the dead because Jesus raised people from the dead. This is, this is about his preeminence. When, when it talks about Ephraim, the second son of Joseph, he says he's first. Well, Manasseh was first, but this is about Ephraim was always the bigger, more powerful tribe. So this is not about who physically comes first. This is about the, the preeminence. He's the ruler of all rulers. Oh, but we're not done. Here's the best part of his signature line for you and me. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us a kingdom priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. And then he says, amen. It, listen, we live in a day here in which a lot of people are trying to figure out their pronoun. Now, listen, church, graciousness, mercy, and truth have to be part of that for us. Graciousness, mercy, and truth. These kids didn't get where they are on their own. Let God give you your pronoun. What's your pronoun? It's right here, us. 
to him who loves us. Now, I have no idea how to explain this in English, but I can tell you what it means in Greek. I, I, I got a D in English class, but I got a B plus in Greek, which is about as good as you get in Greek. That, that, that us, it's a first person plural accusative pronoun. Now, that doesn't mean it's making an accusation. What it means is it means that it is the direct object of the verb that's next to it. It is the direct object of the verb. What's the verb? To him who loves us. You, if we were Pentecostal, I'd just have you say, I'm a direct object. You're a direct object. You're a direct object of love. You're a direct object. This is, this is how you would see yourself, that you're that direct object. This, he loves us. He, he freed us. Remember Galatians and how often it talks about freedom? He freed us. He, he makes us a kingdom. He, 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 gives a, he makes us priests. Listen, I, I'm not the priest here. I, I am the executive of this, of this church, but, but we're all priests. We're all priests. We all have the same spiritual responsibility in this community. We're all priests. He made us a kingdom of priests. And, and it, he gives us a voice here in which we go through life to him who, who loves us and freed us. It, it, it says, it says that, that he freed us from our sins by his blood. I was talking with somebody this week and they said, I want to go into ministry, but, but my past. And I'm like, do you understand what washes away your sins? It isn't you. It isn't your good. You don't go into heaven because of your goodness. You go into heaven because of his goodness. Washed by blood. Blood's the universal solvent of sin. It, sin can't stand against it. it. It gives us a voice to go through life. Think about movie characters and their voice, you know, their ethos, their character. Like Nicolas Cage, for example. Nicolas Cage is always Nicolas Cage in every movie he's in. Like, it doesn't matter if he's a good guy, bad guy, you know, it doesn't matter if he's like a victim, whatever he is, he is Nicolas Cage. Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise is always Tom Cruise. Now, he will be running, okay? Google Tom Cruise running. Don't do it here, you'll kill our internet, all right? But, but, but go home and Google Tom, I think there's like two movies Tom Cruise doesn't run in, and he has this very distinctive, yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's this very distinctive, very animated style. Any track coach would tell you no. But, but it looks good on camera. That, they're always the same people. Now, Denzel Washington, Denzel can, can be other people. Like, like he can play different characters. But I think the queen of different characters is Viola Davis, okay? She can be like, like good, bad. She can be like, like beauty queen or not. I mean, she can be anything. What's your voice? What's the voice you go through life with? I got this from my brother Vernon, which just look, people say there is no God. Here's a preacher telling you this isn't his story, okay? That he actually got this from somebody else. I'm being honest about this. This is what he said. This was, this was, this was from a funeral. 
about what kind of voice do you go through life with? He said, don't go through life as a hero. You'll fail and people will mock you. Don't be a victim because they'll pity you and that's not inspiring. There's no hope. Don't be a cynic. We're living in a day in which our world seems to be filled with cynics, especially online. It says, don't be a cynic. Your life will become a documentary it will, and, and everyone around you will lack dreams. Don't be a comic because they'll stop laughing and they'll leave empty. I love this. Live your life and tell your story as the beloved. That's how you tell your story. That's how he tells us to tell our story. As powerful as love is, and it's something we want, consider who it is that's loving us because there's a, there's a wedding coming and he's the groom and the church is the bride. It, it's gonna be incredible. That's what the story of Revelation is about. He's coming with clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. That's from Daniel chapter seven and, and Zechariah chapter 13. This, the, all the prophecies, no, no book has more prophecy. No book has more prophecy than, than Revelation. No book has more Old Testament quotes than Revelation. And, and they're trying to describe the indescribable. This Jesus who is humble in the Gospels, oh, he's far from it in this book. I'm gonna just read a few of these for you. Revelation 1.8, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. You can take your pencil and where it says Omega in verse eight, you can cross out the M-E-G-A. In the original Greek, it says, I'm the alpha. That's the first letter. That's like the A of the alphabet, the Greek alphabet. The omega is like the Z. But in the original Greek, get this, okay? This is gonna give you goosebumps, church. In the original Greek, it says, I'm the alpha, and it spells it out. But it says, I'm the omega. It's just the letter. You can't finish describing him with letters. He's the beginning and the end, but, but it's the end that... There's so much to describe here about who he is. Stand up. I want, you to, I want you to stand up and hear this. He's, I worked really hard on this. I hope you're very impressed. He's the risen, glorified son of God. He's the ministering one. He's the faithful witness. He's the firstborn of the dead. He's the ruler over the kings of the earth. He's the beginning and the end. He's the one. Neo, you got nothing on Jesus, baby. All right? He's the one. If you got any Matrix fans, obviously there's one in the room. All right? He's also the one who is and who was and who is to come. He's the almighty. He's the first and the last. He's the son of man. He was dead. He's now alive. He's the son of God. He's the one who is holy and true. He's amen. It, it means truly, yes, there's nothing more that needs to be said, but we're not done. He's the beginning of the creation of God. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the lamb in heaven. He's the lamb on the throne. He's the lamb looking as if it had been slain, but is now alive. He's the Messiah who reigns forever. He's the sword of God. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. Man, I, my church is just quiet this morning. I would just think we'd get some shouting somewhere. He's the root and offspring of David. He's the bright and morning star. There you go. 
You ain't got any masks on. You got no excuse now, church. He's the light of heaven. He's the one who can break the seals of the scroll of all of time because he's the one who is worthy to break the seals. Listen, we put posters up in our room. I grew up and I had Cincinnati Reds posters in my room and occasionally I would go to a fan fest and get one of them autographed. But Johnny Bench didn't love me. You get... You go to a fantasy camp and pay thousands of dollars. They don't love you. They say, I did this for the fans, babe. You did it for the paycheck, but we're glad you did good. We're glad. It's okay. But Jesus did it for the fans, for the glory of the Father. And he loves us. To him who loves us and freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom priest to his God and Father. This is the story of Revelation Church. You are loved more deeply. You are called more profoundly. You are purposed more directly. You are redeemed more fully. And you are promised more concretely than you have ever dreamed in your life. You have a hope. You have a future. And that future isn't determined by your genetics. It's not determined by what's been done to you or what you have done. It's determined by the blood of the one who has loved you and who has freed you. That's your voice in John verse 9 is in tribulation. He's exiled on an island on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Listen, if you're going to be put on a rock, let it be because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. And because of the revelation, the uncovering, the appearing, the enlightening, there's a wedding coming. It's a good thing. And we live in the context of that. We live in the hope of that. We live in the trust of that. I remember, I remember so well when I was six years old, my brother James went to Vietnam and I remember the, the day we, we took him, dropped him off at the airport, and my mom was doing her best to be strong, but she woke up the next morning with welts all over her body. Her, she couldn't fight what was going on inside. But, but I remember sitting in this chair with this picture of my brother James looking through the big plate glass window with the BB hole in the middle that we still argued about who put in the middle. I think it was my brother Harold. But, but, but I remember sitting there and looking at that picture, praying for him. And I remember my mama singing this song. We're going to sing it right now. I, I, you, you know this song. You know this song. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him. How I've proved him. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. This is the Jesus that we follow. This is our God who loves us. That's the identity of our life. That's what sets our identity. We're going to do some baptisms, I think. I don't know how many people we got planned. Um, I, I need Heather. Um, we have anybody this, we have three this service. Okay, here's the deal. If you've not given your life to Jesus, the water's fine, okay? 
We'll even take you first if you want to go. He loves you. Do you get that? And you can trust him. That's the promise of the gospel, Jesus. What? What a God. Indescribable but knowable. The one who made Mars, the sunsets, the oxygen that we breathe, put us in an environment with gravity. We ain't flying off. Loves us, cares for us. We matter. What a God. And we can trust you in the times that we don't understand, in the times that are hard, in the times that are difficult, in the good times. We can have joy exiled on an island because we live in the apocalypsis, in the revelation that there is a God and there's going to be a wedding feast and we're the bride and, and, and you're preparing it. And we're clean. We're spotless. There's, not, there's no sin that can rest on us. Whatever it is, it's washed by your blood. We're spotless, stunning. What a God we serve. What a God we serve. Thanks for listening. I'm Myrna Brown.